You coming to bed, hon? Yep, honey, I'll be right there. Just got to turn out the light. Ow! Ow! Some things never change, like your kids always leaving tiny toys on the floor for you to step on, and Geico saving folks lots of money on their car insurance. Sweetie, I think I left the downstairs light on. P- please don't make me go. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. You're listening to the Chicago Audible Podcast, changing up the way Bears fans stay up to date on their favorite team since 2015. Now get ready, because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Chicago Audible. It's day four here. Technically, it's like day almost seven, but yeah. day four for open practices. I'm Errol DeWitt, joined by my co-host, Nicholas Moriano. We're here for another Bears camp episode for you all. So, Nick, how you doing? Pretty good, man. The weather wasn't too bad today. We were both in the sun, but it just wasn't as hot as like the past couple days we've been here. Right, and I have a nice wicked sunburn on the back of my neck because I had my camera sun on my back, so that's always going to be fun to watch that kind of play out. But, Nick, you excited to jump into today's Bears report? Absolutely. Let's do this. All right, let's begin with the offense, and I think we always begin under center, so let's change it up. Let's go straight into wide receivers. I'm picking a random position here. So right away, Nick, I'm going to go right to you for wide receivers. What stood out to you today, day four, Bears camp? You know what? And we were just talking about this uh, along the walk here to this great scenery we have in the background. But Anthony Miller um, is a guy that really hasn't stood out. So you asked me who stood out. Anthony Miller now being this the fourth practice that we've been to is a guy that I haven't seen do a lot here at training camp at Bourbonnet. I was expecting a lot more now going into year two, him being healthy, now having that shoulder fixed, but I haven't really seen that yet from him. Um, there was maybe one catch that he made in team drills, and it was a four-yard catch, and that was about it. So I'm expect I was expecting to see a lot more from Anthony Miller now four days into training camp, but I may just be overblowing things so far, but that's what kind of stood out, Anthony Miller not standing out. Yeah, I think you and I are both in the same page where it's a disappointment right now, but it's so early in camp you know, to really make a, an irrational decision on where he and Mitch are right now in terms of Miller and the connection. I'm going to wait. It's still early. He's still coming back from that shoulder injury as well. Uh, so we'll see how that all plays out. For me, someone that stood out, Marvin Hall. Yep. We were you know, iffy on him coming out of Atlanta. We knew he had a ton of speed, but the fact – that he is continuing to just haul in deep ball after deep ball after deep ball, uh, mostly with the backup quarterbacks, though, going against some of the twos. Still impressive, nevertheless, but his speed, he is so fast. And I believe he's making a very strong case. And if he can keep this up in the preseason, this may be the guy to take the top offensive defenses this year. Are you starting to come to the same kind of 
conclusion? Absolutely. Number 13. I, for some reason, in the beginning of camp, I was like, who is number 13 exactly? Right. But now that he's just been making these catches, being consistent, Marvin Hall's a guy that I think is going to make this team being on the lower end of this wide receiver depth chart, but he has been consistently getting behind the defense for that deep ball. Usually it's been with the twos with Chase Daniel, but that's what you want to see out of these lower end wide receivers. But another guy that's constantly making plays is Javon Wimps. Yeah, oh my gosh. He's a guy that, um, again, now in year two, getting some more playing time, repping with the ones, twos. You'll see, even see him with the threes at times, but he's consistently making plays. He did uh, get up a little slow after he caught like a five-yard hitch route, got a little tangled up, uh, trying to make a move up field. He he did he did get back into the second uh, team offense a little bit later into practice, which is yes. good. But he's just another guy that's just continuously making plays. Yeah, he's really showing out this camp. He really is, and you said it when he went down and started limping on the sideline. It didn't look overly serious, uh, but I was still a little weary of what that could t- potentially be. But Javon Wims, I said it. I think with uh, you, me, and Will Ingles, every time I look up, I feel like Javon Wims is making a play, and it's still continuing to this day. Yeah, his strong camp continues. Uh, before we move on, I think someone wants to say hi to us. Yes? No? Did you want to say hey? Oh, Bobby. Oh, how's it going, Bobby? How's it going? Real quick. Sorry, you two. We're good. We're live. I don't mind. Oh, okay. Hey. How's it going? Hey. Good. Nice good to, to meet, meet you. Person. Nick, right? Yep. Bobby. How's it going, Bobby? Nice to meet you guys. Former podcast guest, yes. Bobby Peters. He has a good book. Check it out. And Amazon. He gave Nagy a copy just like five minutes ago. You just did? Oh, really? That's awesome. All right. Perfect. Sounds great. Nice to meet you. Yeah, thank you. Bear down. <laughs> Look at that live shows. You gotta love them, Nick. God oh, absolutely, they're great. All right, so getting back to the what? Hey, later, man. Getting back to the wide receivers. I want your take on Cordero Patterson because today I saw on seven on seven he had a few drops. Today is the day you're gonna find your chill in this wild, wild world. Number overthinking, self doubt, or spiraling negative thoughts. We can't control all the variables in our lives, but at a little bit of chill podcast, we can learn how we want to react to them. Chill is a vibe, a podcast full of inspiration, practical tools, fun, and a whole lot of laughs. Check us out. A little bit of chill, the podcast. Join Callie and Will for a little bit of chill, the podcast drops every Thursday. Tight coverage. So I'm unsure about his ability right now on a one-on-one situation to get any separation, but also I don't know if that's really his strength because he's a guy that you kind of get into space and see what he can do. What's your take on what he's doing so far? You know, I think for Cordell Patterson, obviously being a former first-round pick and why he's kind of been on a few teams right now, he hasn't maybe just been that complete wide receiver yet, and I guess we're kind of seeing that at times. Uh, There was that one pass that Mitch Trubisky threw to him. It gets bobbled up and then gets intercepted. Mm -hmm. Again, there's not enough separation there, but I'm still uh, I still want to see if Cordell Patterson can maybe develop better into a better wide receiver, but uh, I'm not as concerned about him right now. We did see him repping with uh, you know the kick returner spot there, so that's where I primarily see him making like an impact on this team. But for now, um, you know he's catching a lot more of those shorter routes. I haven't seen him really go deep yet, right? Where he's actually had a completion like a Marvin Hall, who has been doing that consistently. But uh, again, this is still early on. We'll see what Cordell Patterson uh, can do and what Matt Nagy has planned for him. Because remember, he's also getting reps with the you know the running backs in the backfield. Mm-hmm. He's lining up everywhere, wide receiver, obviously a kick return. So I still want to see what what Nagy has in store for him. And we know Nagy's not going to show that in training camp, just like last year. No. Again, a lot of people in the stands around me are real frustrated with him today. But okay. again, in a one-on-one situation, 
trying to shake and bake and, you know, get off a defender. That's not his game. That's not his strength. Uh, so for me, even though, of course, you never want to see him drop the ball, uh, the ability to separate or the lack of, to me, wasn't overly concerning. Uh, a couple quick last notes on receivers. One, Allen Robinson, so damn good. Uh, just saw him today in the red zone going up against Deion Bush. Had him turned around, made him look silly. Uh, really just a quick slant, but just the, his – Initial burst off the ball, and just to get right into that break, it's it's elite. I mean, before you blink, he's already into his route. It's really incredible to see in person because last year we didn't get to see that same burst out of him. And then I want to just shout out to my guy Thomas Ives again. He had a couple yeah. nice catches. I'm telling you, he's becoming one of my unsung favorite kind of guys on the bottom of this depth chart or probably not even going to make the, well, he's not going to make the depth chart. But he's a guy that's really kind of making a case here for a practice squad type of run and someone who I'm really excited to watch this preseason. Any final thoughts on receivers before we head into whatever position I draw my hat? Oh, yeah, I wonder what that position is going to be. But, no, Thomas Ives, training camp hero so far, just making a lot of catches. Uh, but Allen Robinson, just to go back to him real quick, out of all the receivers here in camp, Mitch Trubisky definitely has the best chemistry with him. And I think that's for the best-case scenario for his offense. He is the number one wide receiver. He's getting paid like it. And it's good to see him, you know, now two years removed from that injury, just being healthy, being explosive, being that number one target for Mitch. And that's great to see. All right. Well, looking at my hand, which I don't know why, but I'm going to go offensive line because we probably don't have a huge update there. Uh, the only one that I've noticed, they had really decent protection today overall with Mitch, with the you know with the Bears' front seven, even sending in some blitzes at times. Other than that, it was pretty quiet, which right here in this case, no news is probably good news. I did notice Kyle Long subbing in. I don't think I saw that over the weekend. Uh, so, of course, that's a guy in the past that he'd been very cautious with, especially in camp. Um, but the guy that's coming in to replace him, Ted Larson. So I think that shows you exactly where Ted Larson stands right now. He is that third guard on the team ahead of an Alex Bars, which makes sense. Um, but Ted Larson being that third guard, coming in at Eric Kushrol, uh that seems to be coming into fruition right now. What about you? Anything from the offensive line stand out? You know, uh, just sticking with the first team right now, I know there was a couple reps where – Leonard Floyd and Khalil Mack would have sandwiched Mitch Trubisky. Had this been, you know, obviously another team, the tackles didn't do much on that specific play. But I think overall it, they did a fairly decent job. There right. were a couple run plays where, again, had this been an opposing team, this defense would have taken advantage of that. I think and now maybe my eyes are deceiving me, but early on just repping when the H team goes to like their individual drills the offensive line I could have sworn I saw James Daniels with the second team at right tackle which was interesting something that I wrote it down 68 not even thinking like oh who's the number because I wrote down all the numbers of each offensive lineman mm -hmm. left to right and then I went back 68 oh wait that's James Daniels at right tackle Court, um it was Rashad, Rashad Coward who also got reps at that right tackle spot but initially I'm like I wrote down 68 I know I have my contacts right and they're in today <laughs> and it's not early anymore so so I, I believe I saw him there. Again, we know James Daniels is a versatile guy, but that's just something. Again, he's he uh, first repped with the first team at the center spot. Right. I don't want to say this is like a new position for him, but just uh, thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah, outside of the flashes that we saw from the outside linebackers, which Leonard Floyd, Cleo Mack, they're going to flash. Uh, you can't really stop that whatsoever. I thought they did a pretty sound job overall. Let's bounce over to tight end while we're staying up with the offensive line today. Number one, we saw Zach Miller out there mm -hmm. uh, helping coach, it looks like, some of those tight ends, which I know he's kept that kind of open. 
They didn't know exactly what was going to be happening there. Uh, but seeing Zach Miller uh, out there was really a sight to see. Honestly, it's nice to see him still being within this organization, still around that tight end room because I know he was such a big factor of it last year despite being not being able to play. To have him still in there, the continuity, the leadership that he brings to the table uh, is very encouraging. And then in terms of the actual tight end, Adam Shaheen, he came out there in pads to start practice, ended up taking the pads off after warm-ups, after some drills. I did saw that Matt Nagy said they're still taking it easy with him. So even though we saw Shaheen in pads, they're still taking it rather uh, you know, easy, not going to really over what? Work Overused? that back? Yeah. 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 But, I mean, I think a lot of people, when you, when you tweet that out, Will, you showed the picture of him in pads and then update, he's out of pads. That's it's kind of frustrating to see. It feels this like is, Kevin White. It feels like Ke- it's just someone that's constantly injured, not getting those reps with Mitch. Then you have to go to Trey Burton, obviously being the starting tight end, but then you go down the line giving some of these younger tight ends an opportunity. But Adam Shaheen is a guy that the Bears like. They got him in the second round, and he just hasn't really been able to stay healthy. So I think it's just frustrating for fans to constantly see that with Adam Shaheen being out of practice. Uh, moving on to tight ends that actually practiced today. I thought Ben <laughs> Broniker, um, you know, I think he had an up-and-down day. I know there was one where he was running with the first-team offense in the red zone, runs a nice slant, drops the ball, basically. I know, I think it was Deion Bush, or whoever was in, it was, I think, Kyle Fuller in coverage. He was beat. The ball was right where it needed to be drop from Ben Broniker, but then you see him making some other catches throughout practice, so a little up and down there, but um, yeah, that's that's really all I have for the tight ends here. Ian Bunting. Don't know, forget Ian Bunting. Another guy that I'm very high on right now at camp. He's continuing to show out. He's getting reps with the ones, primarily in there with the twos, but he's getting opportunities with Adam Shaheen on the sideline with the ones, and he's getting looks. And um, you know, I said it last week how they remind me of similar players, and Bunting is obviously the more available player at this point. But when it comes to the preseason, I want to see this translate because coming out of college, we had no idea that he had this kind of pass-catching ability. He was known for an inline blocker, and that was about it. But he's showing so much upside early on in camp as a receiver I want to see how this translates. I mean, we are today, Nick, one week away from the first preseason game. I can't wait for some actual kind of real football. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And there is real football today with the, the Hall of Fame game. But, uh, yeah, that's it, that's going to be exciting for a lot of these guys that we've watched in camp, seeing how they go now facing a new opponent where you can actually go full speed, hit the quarterback or make that catch, try to extend your, you know, your yak or whatever it may be. But, yeah, it's a great opportunity for these young guys. All right, you want to move over to the backfield running backs? Let's move over to the backfield running backs, yeah. All right, over to you. Odd transition time. Uh, odd transition time. Uh, so a guy that I think, again, had an up-and-down day, I would say, Mike Davis. Uh, I saw him when he was running when the Bears like run their, their running-style offense in the beginning. He, he looked like had this actually been against another team, he would have gotten through. Mm-hmm. Just showing a very smooth path, following his blocks, getting to that second level, using his speed, using his power. That's what you want to see out of Mike Davis. But I think it was the pass to the first interception. I think it was the first interception of the day. Mitch Trubisky throws it to Mike Davis, bounces off his hands, gets intercepted by – it was on the left side, so I'm assuming that was Prince Mukamura over there. Yep. But – um, again, you don't want to see that from a guy that has been pretty sure-handed so far throughout camp. Um, but, yeah, again, up and down. Yeah, I believe the interception actually was Deion Bush. Bush. Yep. Yep. Uh, but Amukamara was over there in coverage as well. But maybe the ball's a little high, but it hit him in the hand. So, yes, if it yeah. hits you in the hands, you have to catch that ball. I think you hit it right with Mike Davis, up and down. Uh, of course, anytime you – 
not just drop a ball, but you bat it up in the air where it gets intercepted. That's a big negative. Uh, luckily, this is camp. Um, but regardless, when he was running today, you alluded to the play, and I had a video over on Twitter about it as well. He has good vision, patience, and when he sees that hole, I mean, snap your fingers and he's through it. Like the, the burst is there, and he was highly productive in Seattle. I'm very encouraged by what I've seen out of him so far in camp. Um, but another guy who I didn't see a lot of today, though, was a David Montgomery because I thought we were going to see more of him than we did. It wasn't that he was bad. I saw him have one drop in a flat. I was like, oh, that's not good. But, again, it's practice. But anytime you have a drop in the flat, it reminds me of Jordan Howard. I'm not <laughs> saying that they're even on the same level because I know what uh, Montgomery brings to the table as a pass catcher. But what about you, Nick? Did you see anything out of 32 today? You know, uh, so what I did see a positive from David Montgomery was when he stretched the field vertically in the passing game. And, look, the Bears love to run those wheel routes with these running backs. And for the most part, David Montgomery was open. Whether the ball got to him or not is not obviously his fault, but he is creating separation, getting behind whether it's a linebacker, if they have the safety on him. That's where you see the see that we mentioned Jordan Howard. That's where the difference really is in mm-hmm. that passing game. So uh, that was a positive from him. I did see a play where, again, this is the second time I've mentioned him on this podcast, Clifton Duck would have lit him <laughs> up. It would have been uh, the crowd kind of oohed and odd at that play, but Clifton Duck was in good position, backup safety on uh, David Montgomery to just light, light him up. Uh, but that was the only other thing that kind of stood out today from David Montgomery. Yeah, they weren't fully live today, yeah, yeah. which is hard for running backs. We're getting there tomorrow. Matt Nagy said that we are going to go live, which I'm excited. We're going to be there to watch that first live practice of camp. Uh, we'll get a better look there. Um, but, yeah, it was. Uh, they gave him some runs inside, some things off of the read options as well. Things are usually blown dead within a few yards, mm-hmm. so it's kind of hard to really gauge what exactly was happening. Things happen fast. But other than that, looking at running backs, Reed Cohen is heavily involved today as a – pass catcher uh getting him some room and space along the perimeter to make some plays other than that do you have anything on Tariq I mean is everything we know and come to expect out of Cohen Mm -hmm. uh, nothing really flashy no big touchdown plays or anything but just gentle you know five to seven yard gains off of just a quick flare you know to the perimeter yeah so I think that's where now that you had David Montgomery Mike Davis I think we're gonna just see more of Tariq Cohen as an actual receiver, whether he's split out wide in the slot or going out for a pass on any given play. I think you're just, you sh- as you should expect to see more of that with Tariq Cohen. And obviously, he can run the ball, is a very fast runner when he gets to the edge. Not a lot of guys can get that angle on him, but I would just expect to see more of that throughout training camp and especially during the regular season. All right, time for the Mitch update. Time for the Mitch update, yeah. So I think today, from from Monday's practice at least, where it was really crappy weather, where it was raining, the offense just looked abysmal all around. Today was just a better overall day from Mitch, was a better overall day for the offense and for the backup quarterbacks as well. But still, you see Mitch Trubisky. He got intercepted a couple times today. Mm-hmm. Not all his fault. You don't know whether or not if a receiver's covered up, should he even make the throw in the first place, then it won't get batted up. But I think overall it was better from him. He looked a little bit more precise, a little bit quicker with his um, you know, just timing with the receivers. I thought he was on par with Wims and Allen Robinson. But I think there are opportunities. Like I mentioned Anthony Miller earlier. There are times where he is open, so it's not really on him. It's just I don't know if Trubisky's just not – if that's not the read or if he's just not trusting the throw there. 
I want to see more of that develop kind of from Mitch and, and Alan Ro or Anthony Miller. But overall, a much better day from Monday. And I know that you tweeted out, Will, that he got chewed out on one of the plays. Is that he correct? Did. He did. Uh, it was a completion. Uh, he hit his check down, was, which was Mike Davis uh, over to his right. Uh, did end up picking up a first down. Uh, I wasn't really paying attention down the field, but mm -hmm. Coach Nagy was, and he saw something on there that must have been missed because for, it was a good 10 seconds. Like He was barking at Trubisky as Trubisky was walking off to the field as the second team was starting to take over uh, the 11-on-11 drills. So, yeah, it was just you know something about the read you can tell Nagy was not happy with, but I love it. He doesn't play favorites. I mean, obviously he and Mitch have a special bond, but the fact that we have a semi coming in the back, so I apologize if you hear this background noise. But the fact that he can go and still be vocally disgruntled with his quarterback is accountability at its finest. It really is. Uh, but other than that, looking at Trubisky, I thought he was pretty laser sharp in the red zone, making some good decisions, a few drops in there, mm -hmm. but no turnovers. And, you know, last year when they were doing red zone drills, there were a decent amount of interceptions. Uh, so for me, not seeing the ball get turned over in the red zone, out of Trubisky uh, was an encouraging sign, but I think you hit it right. It was an overall better day than Monday. Not the best we've seen, Mitch, um, but definitely not the worst. Yeah, and actually just kind of going to Mitch and like this first-team offense, I will say that I was, I guess, a little disappointed in from what I saw. I know the very first touchdown that they scored in 11-on-11 in the red zone, it was a Trey Burton, but also who came off the field was Roquan Smith, Dane Trevathan, and Buster Screen. Right. So you're starting, again, the rest of the first-team defense was out there, but that's the that's the first time they scored all day, and yet you're taking out two of the better inside linebackers in the league and also your nickel corner. So I want to see them just go out there, score in the red zone against, again, that starting defensive unit. Again, it's hard in itself when you have Cleo Mack on one edge, Leonard Floyd, and all the great players that they do. But I do want to see more consistency out of that first-team unit. And for the most part, I think Mitch Trubisky, Again, those checkdowns are really primarily what you kind of see from him, I, I would say, in this camp so far. Again, credit to the defense for being able to cover up these receivers. Yeah. But I think uh, for the most part, you've seen Mitch Trubisky kind of take the check down, and maybe that's why Matt Nagy was kind of chewing him out. You have to go and take those, take those calculated risks, as he always says. Yep, a lot of checkdowns, a lot of coverage sacks, yep. a mm -hmm. lot of him trying to scramble because – the There's defense nothing is open. good. Yeah, the defense is good. We have to remember that every time the offense has a bad day, this defense was number one last year for a reason. And that's why I was really encouraged by what I saw in the red zone because the Bears were the best red zone defense Very in the true. NFL last year, and consistently the first team was finding their way into the end zone. Now, was it easy? Hell no. I mean, they had to work for each yard, yeah. each opportunity, but they were able to capitalize more trips than not. Uh, they only had to settle for field goal, I think, once the first team did. So overall, that's encouraging going up against the NFL's best red zone defense. All right, well, that's going to wrap up our positional offensive preview. But before we go over to defense, Nick, I want to go to you. Tomorrow, live practice, like, like I mentioned. Do you have something that you're paying attention to or you want to see tomorrow out of the offense during live action? Yeah, live action, especially that first-team offense. Whether I don't know how the drills are going to go, but if they start at the 20, like if after a kickoff, which they were repping here at the end of practice, uh, I want to see them, if they can drive down the field on the starting defense, give them some fits because there's a lot of great players on this offense. And I want to see if this Mitch Trubisky, Matt Nagy can move the ball against Chuck Pagano's defense. I'm also, so now I'm really going to be on Anthony Miller watch. There was also another rep today. He falls started. The first team offense comes off the field. Matt Nagy's not happy. And it's because, again, Anthony Miller false starts. I'm going to be paying attention to him 
for the rest of camp to see if he and Mitch Trubisky can get on the same page and get open and, you know, get that going. All right. Well, one last hiatus before we get to the defense. We do need to call a quick timeout to tell you a little bit about our show sponsor, SeatGeek. Do you ever feel like ticketing websites make getting to the event difficult on purpose? The real question is, how easy could it be if those ticketing sites actually cared? With millions of live event tickets and a price match guarantee, SeatGeek proves there is a better way. Search sports, live music, comedy, and more. SeatGeek has the tickets you're looking for all in one place. So what makes SeatGeek better than the rest? Well, that's a great question. To put it as simply as possible, SeatGeek, it's a better process. They pull together millions of tickets from all over the web, rate each on a, a deal a scale of 1 to 10, and finally they, do, they display them on what I love is this interactive seat map where you get to know the view of the exact seat that you're looking for. And as you know, everybody here at the Chicago Audible, Nick included, has a SeatGeek app in his phone, and it's by far the easiest way that we've been able to shop for tickets. Last week we went to a White Sox game after practice. We use SeatGeek for that. Uh, we're going to the Bears-Chiefs game, and we, of course, uh, use SeatGeek to secure those tickets as well. We can be anywhere uh, within a few tabs, instantly find some seats, anything that we're looking for. So definitely check out SeatGeek. If you want to go with us to the Bears-Chiefs game, December 22nd, playoff atmosphere, definitely check out SeatGeek. I checked this morning before practice opened up, and there are still a few amazing deals left, so definitely check that out. And here's the kicker. SeatGeek will even give you $10 off your first purchase as long as you use our promo code. That promo code is BEARS, B-E-A-R-S, for $10 off your first purchase on SeatGeek. All righty, you're listening to the Chicago Audible Podcast. I'm Rose Wit. I'm joined by my co-host, Nicholas Moriano. It's day four of Open Bears practice. We're breaking down what we saw today. Beautiful, sunny day in Bourbon A, seven days away from the Bears' first preseason game. And with the defense, let's go ahead and just start up front. I got a little, you know, fun and creative with the offense, but that was in the spirit of Matt Nagy. Let's get back to consistency. Start up front, defensive line. Nick, what stood out to you there? Consistency is probably the best word to, to use for that defensive line. Like we said earlier, we don't um, with these running backs and these running plays. We don't know how far they would usually, you know, go had this been another team. But that defensive line is not giving the offense many opportunities just because, as a unit, they just play so sound in their assignments. When you have Eddie Goldman plugging up the middle and a Keem Hicks on the other end, I mean, these guys are again had a really good camp so far and have made it. Uh, I would say tough on this offense overall. But just watching Akeem Hicks, just kind of towards the end of practice, just working on those hand drills, he really gets into it with uh, Jeff Rogers, defensive line coach, just so sound and where he's placing his hands and how he should be placing them. But that's what you want to see, and that's why Akeem Hicks is the player that he is and the defensive line men behind him also are having you know great seasons and doing great things because of guys like him just consistently bringing it to practice each and every day. What I saw was Nick Williams playing with the first-string defense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, he's someone that, you know, last year was the backup nose tackle. But don't forget, Nick, coming into camp last year, we knew he had the ability to play nose tackle and defensive end. He was playing with the ones at defensive end a little bit. Uh, again, they like to just give people some different looks. But he didn't look bad out there. Uh, so seeing uh, Nick Williams out there with the ones, I saw John Bullard out there with the ones. Did not see Roy Robertson-Harris out there with the ones today. Uh, again, I don't think that really means anything, but just sharing what I saw out there at practice. And the only other thing I want to add about the defensive line was Chuck Pagano getting a little creative. Uh, I posted a video of a nice catch from Allen Robinson in some traffic. And after rewatching that video a couple of times, I saw Bilal Nichols lining up uh, at the three tech 
dropping straight back into coverage to take like the middle of the field away from Trubisky. Uh, so having your defensive lineman drop back in coverage is something that we didn't see a lot of out of Fangio, maybe once in a while, but seeing that out of Pagano was uh, interesting today. I think it would have gone unnoticed if I had not made that video. Yeah. Um, but Bilal Nichols dropping back in coverage, just kind of like you know taking the middle of the field, just a little shell area. Uh, very interesting uh, to say the least. But other than that, uh, the defensive line did a really good job of whenever the Bears did want to run the ball today, of giving them little to no room to work with. But that's what I'm expecting out of that defense. If it was the other way around all practice, would I be encouraged about the offense? Sure, but I'd probably be a little bit more worried about the state of the defense. But uh, to our benefit, they're looking exactly like they did last year in terms of that run defense. Best run defense in the NFL last year. Don't forget that. Uh, either. Both go over to outside linebackers. We saw a nice play, a few nice plays from Khalil Mack. He, I mean, it's Khalil Mack. We're going to say that every podcast, but he had one where uh, Trubisky threw to his uh, left. Mack batted it up, caught it himself. I was able to corral his own interception off his own pass batted. Uh, that's Khalil Mack, though. What about you? Anything else from the outside guys? Yeah, j- just to kind of talk more about Khalil Mack, sure. who was ranked number three in the top 100 mm-hmm. last night. I mean, these are not plays that you're supposed to even really see. Even in practice, these are not routine plays that Khalil Mack makes, but batting up your own uh, deflection, then intercepting it. He almost had another one on the other side, and it's just – it's just you're used to seeing this from Khalil Mack. It's, that's why he is the number three best player in, in the NFL, and that's why he's so accustomed to making these these awe plays, but they're really just normal routine plays for him. And I, I mentioned that Leonard Floyd was able to get back at the quarterback a couple times, encouraging to see as well. Um, you know what? Other than that, from the starting guys, I wasn't really paying attention too much to the outside linebackers as a whole, not not even the backups really as well. I know Aaron Lynch had one good uh, run-stuffing play. But other than that, that's kind of what I took away from from the outside linebackers. Still just in awe of just the, the plays that Khalil Mack can make on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, I mean, it's easy, right? I mean, we have not... Uh, we haven't been able to see him in person to like this level yet. Yeah. And now day four in, I think we're still amazed every time he takes the field. He always does one play, at least one play in practice that is pretty damn special. With the other outside linebackers, I don't have much to add. I have where people were primarily being subbed in. Mm-hmm. I saw a lot of Isaiah Irving with the twos alongside Aaron Lynch. Uh, not a lot of Isaiah fits with the twos. He was more of the threes. Uh, and then Matt Betts, the undrafted free agent out of Canada, even though when we're watching him in one-on-one drills, he's not the most impressive. I did see him today. He didn't get in there a ton uh, with the threes, but he did draw a lot of holding calls or no calls, but a lot of times where I'm like, oh, that's an obvious hold of being grabbed. So maybe some slight progress over in his development. We'll see what he can do once we get to a game here in a week. But let's jump into, uh, do you have anything from the inside backers? Inside backers, you know what? Not really, and I don't think that's a, that's a bad thing necessarily. Not even from you know Roquan Smith and Danny Trevathan really. Um, when you're just watching this defense as a whole, there's a reason why this first team offense is struggling at times, and you got to give credit to how the inside linebackers are able to cover and also be able to run stuff at the same time. But other than that, I think Joel E. Actually, Joel E. A. Buniwe. So he was beat. The, the Bears have been doing this consistently throughout um, the open practices and probably the other ones as well, where they have one-on-one matchups and mm-hmm. everybody's kind of watching. The loser has to do up downs. Joel E. A. Buniwe was in perfect coverage. Was it on David Montgomery? Yes. It wasn't. He was in perfect coverage. He ends up 
up getting beat. Again, it's a tough matchup there um, be- because David Montgomery is a really good route runner. But other than that, like, play, there were other times where he's in coverage. He's just looking better there. And I know he had a first rough day in pads where he's getting stuffed on when he's trying to do the, the rushing drill against the running backs. But since that day, I think he has gotten better just consistently overall one stuffing the run and just in pass coverage and that's what you want to see out of Joel EA Buniwe. I've noticed that when they do uh you know their nickel or their sub packages he is the not you know it's Roquan he's in there at the one and then they go straight to Iggy they're not I mean which makes sense because uh a Nikolkowski that's not a strong suit being a nickel mm-hmm. backer uh so yeah so just wanted to mention that he's also out there with the twos in the nickel formation so when there's only one linebacker out there it is Iggy it's not a Nikolkowski uh so that's something we should mention uh but yeah it was a really quiet day I think Roquan had a couple nice plays uh you know busting up some runs but other than that it was pretty quiet, quiet overall. Yeah. yeah. All right. Going to the secondary, let's go to cornerbacks. Nick, what did you see? Uh, from cornerbacks, I think Kyle Fuller and Prince, again, just consistent. Uh, there were a couple times where just in the one-on-ones, uh, we have a fan waving there. Yeah. Nice uh, love live podcast. Um, but, yeah, Kyle Fuller one-on-one with, man, I want to say it was Allen Robinson. Just a, it's a fun matchup to watch every single time. But I did see Kyle Fuller versus Anthony Miller. They repped three times in the one-on-ones to the right side of the field. Kyle Fuller won two out of those three. The last one, he got a little handsy, got a PI, and Anthony Miller and Kyle Fuller kind of jawing at each other. That's not a pass interference call. That is. But Kyle Fuller, it's not easy to one be able to cover when you're just a one and one on one drills. I think it always favors the offense. It should, but he was able to lock down Anthony Miller. And I know I was talking about Miller earlier, but that was great to see from Kyle Fuller. Right uh, on the other side, Prince Mukamara, because he was lining up primarily on my end of the field. Uh, I mean, he was lights out in coverage all day. And whenever there was a you know a quick dump off, I mean, he's closing in a hurry and he's hooping and hollering because he knows like if that was a live action, he'd be going in for the kill there. But he can't right now. Uh, but he knows like he's right there. He's making the right read. He's able to uh, make the break at the correct time to either make a strong play in that ball or just tackle the receiver for a minimal gain. Uh, looking at the backups, John Franklin had some times with the ones. Yep. Uh, he's actually looking pretty good. A few times I jotted down in my mental notes because I thought I forgot a pen, but I found it in my pocket after practice <laughs> uh, that he had some uh, some nice coverage in the right area. It seems like uh, the game is actually kind of coming to him, which is very encouraging. Uh, what about you? Anything from the backups that you saw? Yeah, uh, Kevin Tolliver is a guy that I like to keep a you know close eye on. Uh, again, I think he, for him, he was primarily in really good coverage throughout the you know the entire practice but Tyler Bray made a heck of a throw towards the right sideline I think it was to Thomas Ives it was a back shoulder Kevin Tolliver is in perfect position but yet uh, they were still able to get the completion there was another play Tolliver is right there and is just not able to stay with I forget which it was Javon Wims in the right corner of the end zone there, he's in good coverage, and that's what we want to see from Tolliver. He looked, like I said, last year maybe a little stiff, but he is right there in coverage. He's not making these plays yet, and he's made some in this practice in throughout training camp, but he didn't make them today. But I think it's just encouraging to see that, one, that there's little separation mm-hmm. between him and the wide receiver, which or whatever wide receiver it is, and that's what you kind of want to see from Tolliver. Now maybe the next step is to kind of turn your head around in time, batting the ball away, maybe getting an interception. But overall, I've liked what I've seen from Kevin Tolliver so far in training camp. All right, before we move over to the safeties, I just we have to check in here the nickel cornerback position. Buster Screen, Duke Shelley. I didn't see a lot out of Duke today. 
The Jew? You know what? The only play that I really saw from Duke was when he got burned by Ryan Nall towards the right sideline yep. on, I think it was a wheel route again. They sent a lot of these running backs deep today, but Duke Shelley wasn't even close. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he was looking just in the backfield, maybe on the initial route from uh, the wheel, but there was there was a huge gap between Ryan Nall and Duke Shelley, and Duke Shelley's a lot faster than Ryan Nall. It yeah. shouldn't be like that. Um, but that's the only play that I caught from him. There was a pass breakup uh, towards the middle of the field on one of the tight ends, but not much from Duke Shelley. And then Buster Screen as well. Um, I don't know. I didn't so really, so right. Yeah, so so today. Uh, so it wasn't the best day I would say from the nickel corners in general. No, it really wasn't. Uh, hopefully tomorrow when we go live, we can someone just stand out. It's the last day I'll be able to make a practice. So I really want to see uh, someone just kind of make a stand at that position again. That's what preseason's for as well. But no, Buster Screen. There are a few plays I was like, all right, I can get behind that. He was you know right there in coverage, uh, being able to get his hands over the receiver, but not being pi and knocking the ball down. And then other times he's keeping a guy or missing a guy, and he's like four yards of separation, and he can't have that. So definitely inconsistent would be the word there for uh, screen and really the nickel corners in general today. Uh, so moving over to the safety position, I think the big one is HaHa Clinton Dix. First time they got to see him practice today. Wasn't a full bore practice, but he was out there, I would say a decent amount for the first time that we, for him to be back in practice. I know he did a little bit over the closed days, but for at least our perspective from the open practice, what did you see out of HaHa today? Anything? Yeah, so just kind of keep an eye on Ha Clinton Dix. A lot of people are wondering, where is he actually going to line up in this defense? Obviously, him and Eddie Jackson are essentially both free safeties playing the same position. Now they have to accommodate to one another in Chuck Pagano's defense. And what I have jotted down in my notes early on is that usually Eddie Jackson was the safety that was maybe deep middle or further back. And Ha was playing a little closer to the line of scrimmage. Not that he was in the box or anything, but he was just playing a little closer up. And if there was a running back that split out wide, Ha would go over there if it was a tight end. That's where HaHa Clinton Dix. He was playing a little closer when it was an even look from the offense. You'd see Eddie Jackson and HaHa Clinton Dix about matched up at the same depth. That's what I was seeing. And then I noticed uh, in the one-on-one drills, he didn't really participate when it was just uh, wide receivers and tight ends against the DBs. He didn't participate there. Uh, he did have his practice uh, cut short. They took uh, someone took away his helmet. Couldn't find it anywhere. But he did practice for you know the beginning. And I guess there wasn't really anything that kind of stood out from him. He's still obviously learning, getting adjusted to the rest of the guys there. But nothing really stood out from Hog Clindex, and that's not the worst thing. Did you get the same kind of gut feeling that it wasn't the best days for like the backup safeties, Deion Bush, DeAndre Houston Carson, Sherrick McManus? It seemed like they were out of the entire defense today uh, and all the different uh, you know, one, twos, and threes. The safeties seemed to be probably the biggest issue yeah I would I would definitely say so I mean Deion Bush had a good start to his practice he had a he had an interception he had a pass breakup on Allen Robinson and then it kind of just went down a hill from him you mentioned the Allen Robinson just beating him in the in the red zone then there was another one the the Trey Burton touchdown that was also on Bush so it was back-to-back touchdowns given up by Bush to the first team offense so that's where you want to see you know ha Clinton Dix when healthy what would he have done maybe in that situation had it been, uh, you know, him instead of Deion Bush? But, yeah, like you mentioned, even a DeAndre Houston Carson or a Sherrick McManus weren't the best in coverage today. So, again, that's another – so nickel corners and the safeties. Want to see them definitely rebound in tomorrow's practice. All right, to wrap things up, I asked you what you would like to see out of the offense when we go live I don't know about you, but I'm a little scared about what we may be able to see out of this Bears defense when they're actually able to hit people. What about you? Uh, you know what? We mentioned him earlier, but now that Khalil Mack is going to have an opportunity to hit people, I don't even know if I want him to because there are plays <laughs> yeah. where he is just 
if, if this is another quarterback he's done for, obviously there's not going to be no hitting of the quarterbacks, but it's going to be interesting to see how they, I guess, restrict Khalil Mack because I think everyone else is a go. But him, it's like he gets back there so quick he can easily, you know, hurt one of these guys or be in a great position to make a great tackle. But that will be interesting to watch. And I want to see, again, these nickel, these some of these secondary guys coming down to make tackles. Hawkland Dix for his entire career, I, I would say, has been maybe an inconsistent tackler. So if he's good to go tomorrow, how, is he taking the proper angles? That's something that I'll be watching for. And also the nickel corner spot. You have to be able to tackle that position. Bryce Callahan was a pretty good tackler when he had the opportunity. So, Buster Screen, Duke Shelley, I want to see what they can do. Yeah, I don't have I, – my gut says that HaHa won't go live very first day of live just due to the nature of the injury, mm-hmm. bringing him back slowly. And, of course, I don't know. I don't think he would overdo it right now at this point. True. But if he is, I mean, that's definitely something to watch out for. Uh, the nickel, you, you hit on it. I don't know. I want to see Roquan. I really do. I, oh, yeah. I want to see what – like if he's out there full go, full speed – I want, I want to see it in person. I mean, we saw it a little bit in Miami, but we're in the 300s. We're going to be in the bleachers right here at practice. I want to watch Roquan speed on full display and how it matches up against some of this offense. Absolutely. All right, Nick, any final thoughts that you have? I think that may just been it, but as we kind of wrap up day four here, anything you want to like end on? You know what? Uh, for this day, I know like we've been talking about who won the day, offense, defense. I would definitely say this was more – it was a teeter-totter almost. Yeah, it was a teeter. There were times where the defense was looking dominant, times where the offense was getting into the end zone. I think when it goes to the backups, I give it to the offensive side for sure. Uh, Chase Daniel, Tyler Bray were doing some good things with their offensive units. That first-team offense against that first-team defense, there's still work to be done for sure. Again, this is the Bears' defense, though, so it's going to be tough to score. But they did you know, capitalize on some opportunities. But, again, I – don't even know where I would peg this one, offense or defense, winning the entire day. Which I think that's what we want out of a practice. Yeah. You know, things that don't always just lean one way. Uh, sometimes one side of the ball wins, whereas other times it goes the opposite direction. Now, before we wrap up, Nick, we should talk about kicker. Oh, absolutely. Have to. It's always a conversation here. The kicker, um, Eddie Pinheiro, what was he, 7 of 8 and then hitting a 60-yard field goal? What's he, up with these Bears kickers kicking the 60-yard field goal consistently? Weird flex, but okay. What? said, so, what? said weird flex, but okay. Is that not a thing anymore? Um, I'm out of the loop, huh? Maybe. I, I work in the high school. I don't know if I've heard that in a while. I see. That's what happens when you turn 27. You're like three years behind. Did you want to check As my watch? You do nah, that? I'm good. <laughs> but, uh, no, Eddie Pinero, 7 of 8, like you said. He had a 60. Bears kicker loves hitting these 60 yards. I love it. I mean, honestly, it's one of those things like, you know, they can hit them in a game. They can keep hitting them here. And there wasn't even a lot of wind at that time. Uh, so he had the leg to do it, and his only miss because people were wondering, well, what did he miss from? Seven of eight. Uh, came from 55, and after he missed that 55 is when he answered with that 60-yarder. So it was a good comeback kick there. But overall, I mean, I think we've been here, this is four days. I think I've seen four misses on field goals, which overall isn't too bad. He'll take that, especially with all the questions that were coming into camp with the two kickers. They're they're putting a strong camp together, both these guys, Elliot Fry, Eddie Pinheiro, as to who should win the single starting spot on this team. But other than kickers, I think we also got to mention, uh, you know, kind of what we saw at the, like, the kick return spot. Ah. We, there was a couple guys that were repping there, and I have them written down. I have to actually look in the notes for this just to make sure I got everybody. But in this order, we had Cordell Patterson getting the first reps at kick returner. Then you had Marvin Hall after that. Anthony Miller was third. John Franklin the third was fourth. And Duke, Duke Shelley was the fifth returner. Cohen was also in the end zone at that time. I he didn't take any reps there at kick returner, but I would assume that he's also probably an option if they need him there. Did you want to talk about the two-person 
Yeah, yeah. So um, we talked about in the special teams training camp podcast, uh, Countdown to Camp. Well, are we going to see maybe two kick returns at the same time? One of the last reps of special teams in overall practice, you had Cordell Patterson, who initially got the kickoff, and then you have Tariq Cohen, who's off to the right, just kind of waiting there for the pitch. And then Patterson pitches it to Cohen, and you never know how a special teams unit is going to react to that. But that's something that I think special teams-wise you should look out for with the Bears. There could be two kick returns on the field at the same time, two dynamic guys in Cordell Patterson, Marvin Hall, Tariq Cohen, whoever the combination is. It just creates more opportunities to possibly get you know some good field or some good yardage from that uh, special teams unit. Yeah, all right. I think it's going to wrap it up for this episode and special teams. Good stuff there, Nick, uh, in terms of the kick return coverage. Uh, one last thing, just want to make sure, if uh, just in case you forgot, we are hoping to give away a free Bears jersey here soon. Last I saw, we're about 23 reviews away from giving away a free jersey. Uh, remember to enter this contest. All you have to do is review our show on Apple Podcasts. Uh, show your appreciation from us you know, driving here every morning to give you these uh, Bears camp updates and, of course, everything that we do all in season and throughout the entire year. Uh, but for my co-host, Nicholas Moriano, this is Will DeWitt. I will talk to you tomorrow from day five of Bears camp. First, live practice of the season. But until then, bear down, Chicago. Callie. And I'm Will. The world's been a little bit wild lately. Yeah, you're not kidding. You know what the world needs? I mean, what we all need? A little bit of chill, the podcast. Honestly, the world needs a whole lot of chill. Chill is a vibe, a place to get a mindset reset, calm down overthinking, and learn new tools for how to change our lives from being reactive and stressed out to proactive, grounded, and centered. So join us for a little bit of chill, the podcast. Join Callie and Will for a little bit of chill, the podcast drops every Thursday.